going. Okay, Yishakoach. This is a special birthday edition of the Beis Shammai Chavur because it was my birthday three days ago. <laughs> on the 3rd on the of Tishrei is my birthday. I put around a link on the group when we get to Sefer Eov. Everyone can look along. It'll just make it a lot, uh, a lot easier. <laughs> Tov. So, as we said a few times, what we try to do here in the Chabura is to delve into in Yoni Machshava with the same level of insight and, and contemplation on which we analyze Nigla. And uh, within Yoni De Yoma that's coming up, the central theme of Yom Kippurim is the nevuah that Moshe Rabbeinu receives during the incident of the Egel, which Chazal referred to as Yud Gimel Midos Harachmin, the 13 attributes of, that's translated for the time being as mercy, although we will soon see that that is not quite accurate. Uh, that term is not found in the, in, the, in, the, in the Torah itself, but that's how Chazal referred to it. And this, in many ways, as we will see, was the highest prophecy that Moshe Rabbeinu received, uh, at, least, at, least in, at least in some ways, perhaps in all ways. And the question is, what exactly is it about this particular nevuah that was so essential to the Jewish people, and why does it form the highlight of all the tefillahs of Yom Kippurim? Right? This was revealed. This nevuah was experienced by Moshe Rabbeinu on Yom Kippurim. If that wasn't, if that wasn't already understood, right? Moshe Rabbeinu spends forty days uh, trying to achieve the the atonement of the Jewish people from Rosh Chodesh Elul until uh, until Yom Kippurim is forty days, which is why, incidentally, we have the minag of blowing the shofar for that whole period of time. Right? The Ran in Maseches Rosh Hashanah says that it brings from the from the Pirkei Rabbi Eliezer, that it has origins there, but the reason is, is because for that whole period of time, Moshe Rabbeinu was trying to was trying to uh, ascertain the 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 atonement for the Jewish people. So this entire time, really, from the very beginning of Elul until until Yom Kippurim, is a period of tshuva. And then finally, on that last day, the climax of that experience was this revelation called the Yud Gilbum Vidos Harachamim. And again, the question is, what exactly is the nature of this Hasaga? What was, the, what was the interaction between HaKadosh Baruch Hu and Moshe at that time? As we know, there's, there's a whole back and forth that goes between them, right? Moshe requests certain things, HaKadosh Baruch Hu answers him. And what does that mean for us in terms of the avoda of the coming day? So, to understand first the concept of Rachamim itself, like, what does that mean? Yeah. The introduction of this very idea is is primordial and it's, it goes back as early as you can get literally the first pasuk of the Torah Elohim. that HaKadosh Baruch was introduced by the name Elohim which we know is associated <coughs> with God manifesting himself as a judge indeed judges themselves in the Torah human judges are called Elohim Right? And there's even a status halachically of Elohim, someone who has, someone who, who, who has the, 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 the authority known as smicha, 
the right the unbroken chain from Moshe Rabbeinu. They have the ability to judge certain cases. Right, we're only able today to judge a very narrow range of cases in halacha because we only were only considered right shluchei derabanan. We're only considered the 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 messengers, so to speak, of actual legitimate judges. But the full range of dinei Torah, we do not have the authority to judge because we don't have the status of Elohim. Right? So Elohim is connoting this idea of God in judgment, in strict judgment. And this is the first name in which HaKadosh Baruch Hu expresses himself in Briya Zaolam. It also, has, it is, it also underscores the fact that the, right, that the first day of creation, i.e. Rosh Hashanah, is the day in which HaKadosh Baruch Hu expresses himself in din, in judgment. Right? But that's another slightly different conversation. So, Bereshis Bara Elohim. Rashi says on that Pasuk, Right? This is he. This is his source is in Bereshis Rabbah, but he phrases it very differently from what's brought in Bereshis Rabbah. Velo nemar bara havaya yudke vavke. Doesn't say bara havaya. It says bara Elohim. Why is that? Shebetchila ala b'machshava livroso b'minas adin. It was originally the thought, the intention of God was to create the world in a state of strict justice. He saw that the world was not able to survive in such a state. And he, he, he formed a shutfus, a partnership, between the attribute of justice and the attribute of mercy. Later on, in the, second, in the very beginning of the second parak, after we're given a synopsis of the creation story, and it goes into the details of what ha- occurs with Adam and Chava and the Nachash, etc., right, the lead into that story is Briyom Baro Havaya Elokim, the two names of Akarosh Baruch Hu together, integrated into each other. So literally, this, this dynamic of Akarosh Baruch Hu manifesting as a judge, as a strict judge, and manifesting in the sense of mercy, goes back to the very, to the very creation itself. And what is this dynamic? What is this this give and take, so to speak, right? Between uh, between what we call Midas Adin and Midas Arachmin. So at first glance, you might say that mercy means, uh, you know, it means mercy. It means giving someone a second chance. It means that they might deserve to receive a certain punishment or a certain penalty for what they did. And we're going to give them leeway, right? The Mesilas Yisharim in, in, uh, in, uh, in Midas Hazihirus, Perak Dalet of Midas Hazihirus. So he says that... Uh, we're not through the whole section. It's quite, it's quite, uh, it's quite lengthy. But he says that Midas Arachamim manifests itself in three primary ways: giving time to the person, to the person to 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 correct his ways, giving a lesser punishment, which is kind of like a watered down version. He quotes the Medrash Rabbah from Koheles, from Koheles Rabbah. It says Miktzas Nefesh Kechol Hanefesh that instead of the person himself dying, so his animal dies, or he experiences a tremendous financial loss. And it's akin, it's like a small, miniaturized death, but it's not like the full death. Yeah? Receiving a watered-down punishment, so to speak. This is how Rachamin manifests itself. Right? But it doesn't contradict Midas Adin, says, says the Ramchal. It doesn't, right? When we're, when we're judging people, it's the, same, it's, a, it's, a, it's the same dynamic exactly. We give people second chances, people that we want to have relationships with, so they mess up, or they right. Even if they, even if we could, if we can have a hashash of malicious intent that they're intending to harm us, it could be right. Depending on the circumstances, that we're going to give them a second chance. You know, but it doesn't. But the midas is not endless. There comes to a point where, right? There's there's a there's a there's something due, so to speak. Right? There's a penalty that's due. So this is on the surface level of understanding of what midas is. 
However, these descriptions of Midas Arachamim, and there are many, this is just a, 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 a primary source as an example. These, these descriptions of Midas Arachamim are not describing in essence what Midas Arachamim is. They are describing only the poal yotze. They are describing the effects of Midas Arachamim. But Midas Arachamim in its essence is something that goes to the very foundations of Bria Sa'olam itself, which is what, we're, what we saw alluded to in Rashi a moment ago. Take the word for a moment. We're going to see, we're going to see many, in many instances that all of the messages that we're talking about here are very often contained in the words themselves. What does the word Rachamim come from? Like, what's the etymology of the word Rachamim? Where does it come from? Rechem. What's Rechem? <laughs> a womb. A Rechem is the organ in which something is formulated and given life, given the ability to live, right? The dynamic of a Rechem is that the thing that's contained within the Rechem is completely inviable. It cannot, by definition, it can't exist on its own. It can't. It's being given life for free every moment without the ability to sustain itself. That's what Rachamim, right? That's what, that's what the Rechem does. Rachamim means the womb-like quality, which is, which we are experiencing as an outpouring of a Baruch Hu, right? The womb-like quality. Rabosai, this quality of Miras HaRachamim goes so deep that as we will see, <laughs> the Yud Gimu Midos Arachamim, which is the full description, at least the fullest that we can understand, the fullest description of Midos Arachamim, is literally, quite literally, the highest description of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's essence that we are able to understand. Now let's, 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 let's get into that step by step. You know, we think about praying in the context of we need something and HaKadosh Baruch Hu runs the world so if we need it, we'll ask him for the thing. And if he wants to, he can provide that thing in the full, full spectrum and variety of ways that he can provide it. That's basically how prayer work, works, right? But we see the problem with understanding prayer in that way is that we see that HaKadosh Baruch Hu himself prays. HaKadosh Baruch Hu prays. And if, right, if it wasn't written in Chazal explicitly, it would be forbidden to say such a thing. But it says, right, it's an explicit Babli in Masachas Brachos, in Daf Zion, how do we know that HaKadosh Baruch Hu prays? As it says in the well-known verse in Yeshayo, They will rejoice in the house of my prayer. It doesn't say their prayer, meaning the other the people that are coming, they're praying. My prayer. Okay, so what does he pray? What does HaKadosh Baruch Hu pray? It should be the will before me, meaning God. That my rachamim will conquer my anger. And my mercy, my rachamim, al-midosai, will be dominant among all of my other attributes. And I will conduct myself with my children Benidas Rachamim, with mercy. And I won't make Din dominant. The prayer of HaKadosh Baruch Hu is regarding his own mercy. He's praying for his own mercy. Now you might think, who's HaKadosh Baruch Hu praying to? Well, clearly, I mean, it says in the Lushan, it says he's praying to himself. What does that even mean? 
do you is is there such a hechatimsa of praying to yourself, right? Presumably, if you're praying, it's by definition to something outside of you, right? But this this go, this misses the, the the essential point of what of what the experience of prayer is. Prayer, it's true for us, tefillah essentially means something, right? Being directed to something outside of us. But even even that is is as we will see in a moment. Even that's not true. Pr- prayer, in its essence, is 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 delving in to the to the to the to the primary focus and aspiration of our existence. What is the what is our fundamental aspiration? That's the question. And tefillah is the expression of that. When a person comes to be mispalel, to be mispalel, what does the word mispalel mean? Palal means to contemplate, to think, like like pilel. Mispalel, like lehit labesh, like laobish, to dress. Lehit labesh means to get dressed. Lehit palel literally means to cause yourself to contemplate. That's what it literally means. That's what the word literally means. To cause ourselves to contemplate means to go to the depths of what it is that our aspiration is. You know, there's, I mean, there's many examples of this, but just to throw out one example, from Tehillim, te, uh, te, um, uh, from Tehillim Perak Tesvav, uh, at the very, very end, the Pasuk says, Todieni orachayim, make known to me the ways of life, sovas machozes ponecha, and to be satiated from the simcha of your face, ni'imos b'yemincha netzach, the pleasantness of your right hand forever. Says Rashi, eno loshon tefillah, this is not a prayer. It's not a prayer. It's not a prayer, rather, it's a statement. It's a statement. God will tell me the path of life. He will satiate me with simcha. He will gladden me with the pleasantness of his right hand. Okay, if it's not a tefillah, then who are you saying it to? Hagufa, Rabosai. Hagufa, tefillah is not necessarily speaking out, right, speaking out to someone else. Not, not even necessarily speaking to HaKadosh Baruch Again, it's honing in on what it is that our fundamental aspiration is, and Akharish Baruch who hears that, even if the statement is not is not said in the second person of "I'm speaking to you," even if it's not phrased in that way, Akharish Baruch who hears all tefillah, Shomea Kol Tefillah, God hears the voice of prayer, and this is the type of prayer that God hears. And when it says that Akharish Baruch who prays, this is what it means. This is what it means. It means that this is the fundamental aspiration of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, of Kavayachal, we could say such a thing. The fundamental aspiration of God is that His Rachamim will be manifest as powerfully as it possibly can, and it will be dominant among all the other mitos of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That's what it means that HaKadosh Baruch Hu prays. And in the Gemara in Rosh Hashanah, to highlight this point, if it needed any more highlighting, in the Gemara, in, uh, in the Bavli in Rosh Hashanah, Daf Yud Zayim, is discussing the Yud Gimel Midos HaRachamim. Amar Rabbi Yochanan, right? Vayavor Hashem al Pana Vayikra. Who called out the Midos HaRachamim? Who was the first person, who was the first person, entity, being to declare the Midos HaRachamim? It was HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It says explicitly in the Pasuk, Vayavor Hashem al Pana, God moved, him, moved himself over the face of Moshe, Vayikra, and called out. What did he call out? Hashem, Hashem. Who is he speaking to? Who's that Kodesh Baruch Hu speaking to? Hashem, Hashem, El, Rahum, Vechanun, etc. Right? Melameh Shah Kodesh Baruch Hu Hisatev Kishliach Tzibor. That Kodesh Baruch Hu clothed himself, wrapped himself in a talus, as a leader of the congregation, and cried out and prayed. Kiilu he led Hakadosh Baruch he led Am Yisrael in 
tefila, in this tefila. Because again, it's also HaKadosh Baruch Hu's prayer. It's HaKadosh Baruch Hu's prayer that, the, that these midos of rachamim will be manifesting themselves in the world. From this we learn, Rabosai, that the, the rachamim element, the womb-like attribute of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, <laughs> is inherently the yearning of God Himself, of the Creator, that His creation will grow, bloom, flourish, and grow to the fullest extent that it possibly can. That is God's tefillah. It is God's yearning. It's God's yearning for the whole Bria. It is the womb-like, right? As we, I, I'm sure we've mentioned this already in the, past, in the past two times that we've met, but in case we haven't, right? Chazal say in the Sifri, uh, kedem. Excuse me, this is in Bereshis Rabba, excuse me, not the Sifri. Elohei kedem, the eternal dwelling. That God is the dwelling place of the world. And the world does not, he does not dwell within the world. Meaning, the world exists within HaKadosh Baruch Hu. What does that mean? It's like the womb. God is Ke'ilu, the womb of the whole Bria. The whole world exists within him. And just like a parent, his, their only desire is that, <laughs> is that their child will grow and flourish to the fullest extent possible, this is HaKadosh Baruch Hu's most fundamental aspiration. I, uh, I opened up the Sifri over here, but it's not. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's literally one line. From the parsha that we will be reading in, uh, in uh, the coming Shabbos in Ha'azinu. El emunah ve'ein ovel. God is the God of faith and there is no iniquity within Him, meaning He never does anything that is unfair. El Emunah, God of faith. What do you mean God of faith? Who does He have faith in? Who does God have faith in? We have faith in God because, right? But God is the God of faith. It says as if she'emin ba'olam uvra'o, that He believed in the world and created it. God's faith is in the world. We, we believe in HaKadosh Baruch we have emuna in HaKadosh Baruch and Kavayocha HaKadosh Baruch Hu has Amuna in us. And that, this is how that Amuna is expressed. Right? Again, a parent carries a child based on Amuna. But the, 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 the finished product is not contained in the womb. But again, by definition, it's not contained in the womb. Because if it was, it wouldn't be in the womb. Right? The, 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 it's, it's, it's the unfinished product that has incredible, almost unlimited potential. Right? But the process of the womb is based on emuna, because God is the God emuna. Shehemin ba'olam the impetus for the creation of the world was God's was Hakadosh Baruch Hu's fundamental emuna. I want to go into something a kiddush that I came across a while ago, and I've never seen anyone that actually highlights this, but I think that it is rather profound. There's a few steps here to understand. We'll take it step by step. And at some point, you'll have to get, you have to open up the uh, that link. It's, it's not. Don't be intimidated. It's just a few lines. The the Rambam in the, the in the end of the first chelak of Mor Nevuchim. I'm reading from Perak Nun Dalit. Da ki haodon chachamim Moshe Rabbeinu bikesh te bakoshos. That in this interaction that Moshe and Hakadosh Baruch Hu had at the Chayta Egel experience. He asked of HaKadosh Baruch Hu two bakoshos, two, two requests, okay? Anyone remember off the top of their head how the two requests were phrased? Hareini na es kvodecha, v'todieni na es derachecha. 
right? God, he wanted to see Hakadosh Baruch Hu's face. No, excuse me. Es kvodecha, God's kavod. God's kavod and God's ways. Those were the two requests. Okay. And he, God answered Moshe on these two requests. The first one first and the second one second. Okay? When HaKadosh Baruch Hu says to him, You can't see my kavod because no one can see my kavod and live. Okay? He wanted to know God's essence as it were. Meaning, what is it like to be God? That's essentially what he was asking. What is it like to be God? And, and God answered, you can't know what it's like to be me. Because you're, fund, you're fundamentally, you're categorically different than me. There's, there's no way, right, as Yishayo famously says, like, my whole experience is not like your experience. You can't know that. That you can't know. That God, how can God can be... <laughs> How can God be known? He's known through his actions in the world. The way that God conducts himself in the world, that gives us an inkling and an insight into how HaKadosh Baruch Hu is, into what God's essence is. That Moshe Rabbeinu was Ne'eman, he was the trustworthy servant in God's house. Why is that? That he understood the essence of all of existence, havana mitis, with a perfect understanding. And what was this perfect understanding that he understood? So the Rambam says, the introductory pasuk to the Yud Gimelmidos. God says, "Listen, you can't know my essence. You can't know my kavod, because lo yiraniha adam v'chai. Avala ani avir kol tuvi al panecha, but I will." Spread and will pass all of my goodness before you. What's all the goodness before you that I'm that I'm that I'm giving? That Moshe Rabbeinu was shown prophetically all of the specific details of the entire creation, meaning how each one was interconnected, what we call today an ecosystem, right? How each bria, all the plants and all the animals and the weather, how all of those things connect to each other and flow with a perfect order. Moshe Rabbeinu was shown all of this in the entire bria prophetically. That's what it means, Moshe Rabbeinu had that hasaga about how the whole Brio was work, works together in this perfect symbiotic relationship. And that, that vision of the whole Brio flowing smoothly and growing and flourishing, that was the Yud Gimel That was the vision of these 13 attributes. Which is why, again, it says about Moshe Rabbeinu that Moshe was he was unique in his understanding of of the Metzios, of reality, because he merited to see this, to see this in its fullest. Thus says the Rambam. Now, let's step back for just a minute. The Gemara Baba Basra and Daftes Vav it discusses the structure of of the Kisvei Hakodesh of the Tanakh, right? The order of the books, and after it discusses the order, it discusses who wrote each book. Okay. So it says, Moshe 
Moshe Kosav Sifro, meaning Chamishi Chum Uparshas Bilam, it's interesting because Bilam is a part of Chamishi Chum but it's considered a separate thing. We'll leave that on the side for a minute. Vesefer Eov. Those are the three things that Moshe Rabbeinu wrote, okay? Moshe composed Sefer Eov, okay? What exactly is the connection to Sefer, Sefer Eov to Moshe Rabbeinu? What, what, what's, the, what's, the, what's the unique, right? So, if you open up this little uh, link that I sent everyone, don't feel pressure to open it. It'll just be uh, it'll just be a lot easier to follow. Sefer Eov is by far, I think, just the Dava Pasha, the by far the hardest book in Kisvei Hakodesh. It's very, very long. It's very verbose, and the and the and the Hebrew is extremely difficult. Yeah, and it's also gut wrenching because it's just you're reading endless chapters about this man suffering terribly. It's just the worst thing to read. Yeah. So Eov is 42 chapters long. <laughs> and from chapter 2 until chapter 39, it's just horrible, just terrible. Okay? And at the very, very end, okay, we're talking, this is Perek, starting from Perek Lamedches. After they're complaining and complaining, Eov is going on and on about his suffering and how there seems to be no justice in the world and his friends are trying to console him and he's not being consoled. He's just saying, no, there's nothing here. I've never done anything wrong. I don't deserve any of this. And there's just clearly less din, less dayan. There's no judgment. There's no judge, etc. Yeah. And finally, after endless chapters of this, okay, in the beginning of Perek Lamechas, Vayan Hashem, I'm reading, I'm reading from the page here, Vayan Hashem es Eov minasara. God answers... Eov from the storm. There's this massive storm that appears and the voice of HaKadosh Baruch Hu emanates out and Eov hears it. Vayomer, Who is this one that is trying to be so smart and wise before me? Blidas, without any understanding. Be, prepare yourself for, the, for, this, for this rebuke that I'm going to give you. Where were you, Eov, when I established the land? Tell me if you understood anything about this, about this process of creating the world. Who measured it, right? All of its measurements. Who used the measuring rod in order to, in order to make sure that everything fit together. Where were its foundations placed? Who put the cornerstone down? Have you ever descended to the depths of the sea? Have you ever gone down to the depths? Or the gates of death, meaning deep down into the world. Or, or, these, or these gates, have you ever seen them? Have you ever seen the full breadth of the land? Tell me if you know all of it. Eza derech yishkon or where does the where does the sun come from? B'choshach ezo mekomo where does the darkness emanate from? Hatitain lasus gvura have you ever have you given the horse its strength? Hatalbish tzavarora ama hatirish ashenu kaarbe have you ever heard the noise? Have you made the have you created the noise of the of the of the swarm of locusts? Hod nachro ema have you given the, the, the limbs, the wings to the, to the bird? Have you given the ability to the eagle to fly? Right? 
And Eov answered God in the following way. Yes, I admit it. I don't, I don't understand. I don't understand the full... You're asking me, do I understand the full complexities of the Bria that you created and all the animals and all the, right, the oceans and the, and the birds, etc.? I don't. I admit that I don't. Listen, God, now that I speak. I have previously, I've only heard about you. But now my eyes have seen. My eyes have seen. I have belittled everything that I have lost, meaning all the, all the things that I've lost in this period of suffering, I've, I've, I've decided that, that I don't really care about them anymore. I've been consoled on the dust and the ashes. The dust and the ashes being a reference to what occurs to Eov in the very, very beginning, where he sits in a, he sits in a, in a, in a, in a, in a pool, essentially, of dust and ashes, mourning over the death of his family. He says, I've been, I've been consoled for all of these things. Does this vision remind you of anything, Rabbi This is, by the way, a synopsis of three prakim. This is, not, as you can see, like the prakim aren't exactly, the psukim aren't exactly in order. This was segments of from Perak Lamadches through Perak Lamadal, through uh, Perak Memalif. Does this remind you of anything, this vision of the full spectrum of the Bria, of the land and the sea and the animals and the birds and everything? This is, the, this is a reenactment of the Navua of what Moshe Rabbeinu receives, I will show you all of the goodness of the Bria before you. The question of Eov, of the whole Sefer Eov, the the question of Eov, was the question that Moshe Rabbeinu poses to HaKadosh Baruch He poses him the question, tell me how do you operate? Why is it that you decide to do what you do in the world? Tell me, explain it to me. And on that question, HaKadosh Baruch says, listen, you 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 can't know the full reason why I do everything. That you can't know. There's a fundamental gap between me and you. You can't, you can't understand what I do. But what, but what you can understand, you can understand is, how I, is, is by observing how I operate in the world. By observing my actions in the world. And this, this was it. This was showing you the full extent of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's actions, his behavior as they connect to the Bria. This was, this was showing God's rachamim as, it, as they're exhibited in the Bria, as they're exhibited by the as they're experienced, rather, by the creation. Once Eov sees this, once Eov sees the full intensity of a Karosh Baruch Hu's rachamim injected into the Bria, he's able to be consoled. He's able to be consoled because he sees that regardless of whatever his subjective experience is, in the end of the day, he is riding, he is riding on a wave of rachamim, of endless rachamim, of endless yearning of God himself for the Bria to grow and flourish. That's what Eov realizes at that moment. And indeed, at the end of the story, we know that Eov receives a tremendous consolement and it ends on a rather happy note. But the Nakuda to take away from the story is that Eov essentially has a hasaga akin to what, to what Moshe was shown. What Moshe was shown at, 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 right, at Sinai at that moment. Which is why Moshe Rabbeinu uniquely writes this sefer, right? Incidentally, I'll note that if you look at the uh, at the uh, at the at that sugi in Rabbi Basra, it says, "How do we know the proof that there is this connection between Moshe and Eov? Because the pasuk in Eov says, ifo, I believe in Perak Yudalid, and the pasuk by Moshe Rabbeinu says, ifo, 
Where is that pasuk from? B'mei Vodaifo. That Moshe says, B'mei Vodaifo. We read it on the we read it on the Tainus day. It's in that in, it's in that interaction of the Chayta Ego when Moshe Rabbeinu comes to God and says, How will I know that we have found favor in your eyes? Yeah. Anyway, it just highlights this uh, this connection even more. The last point, just to just to bring this home about how exactly is it that we that we bring this lamaisa? Like, how do we actually implement the, this this awareness of which? The rachamim that is being put into the world perpetually and that we want to be able to ride on and want to be able to commune with on Yom HaKippurim, what exactly is it that we do with this? So the Gemara in Shabbos quotes the Pasuk from the beginning of Sefer Yishayahu. If your sins will be like red, like crimson, so, they will be as white as snow. Yeah. Let us go and have an argument. Like, it's, it's not possible. It's not, right? The Jewish people, Taina, it's not possible for us to rectify ourselves. It's not possible to do tshuva. And God says, no. Even if your sins are like red, they can be as white as snow. Okay? It says the Gemara and Shabbos on Daf Petas. Usually the color, the color shani, crimson, is described as shani, not shanim, right? Like shani, like in the Mishkan, right? There were three colors used in the Mishkan, Tchelas, Argamon, and shani, yeah? It describes it as shani, there's no shanim, right? Shanim is not the word used. So why does it say shanim? It says the Gemara the following. Im yu chatoechem kashanim hamesudorus, excuse me, like the years, shanim, not shanim like the color, shanim like years, hashanim hamesudoros that have been ordered from the beginning of creation, kashelagyalbino. They will be as white as snow. Adkan. That's the lashon of the Gemara. An exact quote from the Gemara. What does that mean? What does that mean that the, that the sins, if your sins become like the years from the beginning of creation and they have been ordered from already from the Misa Beratius, what does this mean? So before we answer that question directly, right, there's a very, very big kasha on this pasuk. You would think that the mushal that it's giving, right, your, if your sins are will be as red, they'll be like as white as snow. So like, so like what's the... What's the muscle? Like if you have like a, you know, a nice white shirt and it gets stained and it's dirty, like, oh, Chaval, it's dirty. What am I going to do? It's like, oh, d- no, don't worry. We'll throw it in the wash. We'll put some bleach on it and it'll be, as white, it'll be as white as snow again. Don't worry. So, so too, the Jewish people are saying, well, look, we're all red from our sins. And God says, no, don't worry. You can wa- I'll wash you off and you'll be as white as snow. Is that what the Pasuk is saying? Is that what the Pasuk is saying? <laughs> is that what the Pasuk is saying? But why, why, why not? Just look at the words, like the shot of the words. If your sins will be red, what do those words mean? They will be as white as snow. What's the day? What's the day? The sins. The, sin, the sins will be as white as snow? I thought the sins were bad. How do the sins become white? The sins are the bad thing. It's not saying, oh, if your if your clothes are stained red from the from the sins, then your clothes can be washed and now clean again. That's not what it says. It says the sins will be white. The sins will somehow transform themselves. The sins will the, can 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 be can be rectified in some way. Yeah. 
And what the Gemara is saying is, how does this work? What is the mechanism by which the sins themselves become rectified? They stop being red and they start being white. How, did, how, did, how does that work? So says the Gemara, okay? Okay? To, uh, I just want to read this section in the, from, uh, from Rav Tzadok, in Sidka Tzadok. He explains beautifully how to, how to properly understand this Gemara. Tshuva <clears throat> says Rav Tzadok. Tshuva hainu shemeshiv oso davar el Hashem isbarach. Tshuva. Why do we call rectifying a chait? Why do we call it tshuva, which literally means to return? Okay, that's what it means. It means to return something. So what are you returning? You could say you're returning yourself. You were far away, and now you're right. But to do tshuva on a chait, it means to to return the sin. The sin is being returned to Ta'akadosh Baruch Hu, as it were. That everything comes as a direct consequence of a Kaddosh Baruch Hu's will and action. Even in a way, even in a, in, a, in a very profound way, the very thought that triggered the yearning for the right, the impetus for the sin was also brought about directly by a Kaddosh Baruch Hu. This is what it means to return the sin to a Kaddosh Baruch Hu. And this is what Chazal famously say in the Gemara and Shabbos on Daf Peites. What does that mean? HaKadosh Baruch when he created the world, at the moment that God created the world, he had a plan, he had a vision. As we said, he, he, created, he, he had faith in the world and created it. Meaning he had a vision, he had hopes and aspirations for it. He saw the potential for what the world could be. He knew that right, what the world can achieve, what the world can grow into. He knew, he saw clearly what it, what it could be, what each and every one of us could be. And the way to get there, the path from Yom Rishon, from the very first day, until the full potential of the whole Bria, that path was clear in God's eyes. It was clear, right? We have a, we have an input into 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 that into that path, right? We're right, we're co-creators, as it were, right? Not We become partners with Hakadosh Baruch Hu in that way. But Hakadosh Baruch Hu saw he saw clearly the path of being able to get from point A all the way to the all the way to the climax, all the way to the to the to the top expression of potential. Our moments of weakness and the times that we veer away from our full potential and what we could, right, our full expression of strength, those are, from our perspective, those are serious detours from that path that HaKadosh Baruch Hu envisioned in Maisa Voracious. When HaKadosh Baruch Hu created the world, he envisioned what it would be for Tepler and for Wasserman and for Eli to achieve their full potential. He saw that. That was part of Voracious Bara Elohim. It was contained in that moment. And we have the ability to detour from that path. We can, det- we, can, we, can, we can get off that path. And tshuva is about returning the action back to the path of sheishes yemei bereishes, of bringing it back, of inculcating it back into the plan that HaKadosh Baruch Hu had originally at the moment of creation. That not only is this action not a detour, it's not a, st- it's not a stira, 
to God's plan, but it is now integrated back into what HaKadosh Baruch Hu had in mind at the beginning of creation. That's the full essence of tshuva. And it is this way, and as the well-known Gemara in Yoma says, I'm a Reish Lakish, tshuva me'ava, zedonos nasim schuyos, even malicious intentional sins become merits. How does that work? It works because you, you, through the koach of tshuva, the action is integrated back into God's plan for the Bria. It's brought back into God's rachamim. It's brought back into the plan that God has for his whole Bria to grow and flourish to its full potential. That's the essence of tshuva. And to hone in on that on Yom Kippurim. Chalila v'chas, a person should enter Yom Kippurim with the hopes of being let off Listen, can you, can you just ignore, can you let, can you give me a, right, a free ride on that one? Can we just forget about that one? It's such a chaval if, that, if that's what you want to get out of Yom Kippurim, right? Okay, that, that's already a big thing, but, but there's so much more to get out of the experience of Yom Kippurim, of literally reintegrating everything, even our moments of weakness, of failure, of when we knew that we could have acted better, we knew that we could have acted more nobly, we knew that we could have stood up when we chose to be silent. All of those moments of acting in weakness, all of those moments can be brought back in as part of the process of Sheishes Yemei Hamasa, of El Emunah, God of faith. God of the Yud Gimel And the point of Yom HaKippurim is to get to the point where our tefillah, our tefillah, is the same as HaKadosh Baruch Hu's tefillah. That we're davening together with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's just the pshat it's the, it's the pshat of the psukim. Azov, the pshat of Chazal. It's just the pshat of the psukim. That HaKadosh Baruch Hu is Chavayacho praying with us. We're praying together with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That is the goal of Yom HaKippurim. And Bezrat Hashem. Through the Avoda, through the Avoda Sayom, of being locked in to the domain of Yom HaKippurim, we should all merit to see each person individually and communally, collectively as a yeshiva, to hone into as strongly as possible all the Yud Gimel Bidos HaRachamim. Chizku v'yametz levavachem kolam yachalim l'adunai. Shakoach.